Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, it's nice to be heard again. Uh, I have not been able to speak to you, nor have you been able to hear me for four weeks now. Uh, I had problems for three weeks, not at my end, but at Blog Talk Radio's end. Somehow the the, uh, show wasn't getting broadcast. Uh, I did the show completely the first two weeks, not knowing it wasn't getting out. And the third week, I was able to figure it wasn't getting out. Uh, but we finally have the problem re- uh, resolved, and I know you are hearing me timely tonight or whenever you get to it. Uh, missed a lot of goodies to talk about along the way here, but let me start tonight. I've got, I've got so many things to talk about, I'm not going to be able to cover them all. I, I want to talk about Trump and Obama, first of all. Uh, I think Trump is... A pathological liar. I apologize to those of you who think strongly about him in liking him. Uh, but this thing with the telephone call, that, uh, that uh, telephone calls, that Obama tried to tap his telephones or had his telephones tapped in December, I just don't believe it. I can't believe it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit Obama, but it does fit Trump to lie because he lied so much uh, in the past year, year and a half. Uh, so I, I can't go with it. I don't believe it. And I don't understand why Trump wants a congressional investigation, and he's going to get it, <laughs> of this these alleged uh, telephone taps. All he has to do, he's the president of the United States, remember, is go to one of his e- executive department arms, the... Uh, FBI, the Justice Department, the FBI is within the Justice Department, and they've already said, Comey's already said, there's been no tapping, but let him go to Toomey, because Toomey apparently has already examined everything, (coughs) and hear from Toomey, but no, he insists. It's like, this reminds me that Obama was not born in Hawaii, he's not a United States citizen, uh, I want to see his birth certificate, the original, not a copy of it. It's the same kind of garbage, in my opinion. Now let me move on to the big thing today. Everything, you know, every day is another new, new big thing. And I'm talking about this new Affordable Care Act, which is already being called Trump Care. Trump Care. We had Obamacare, now we have Trump Care. That's what they're calling it on television. Uh I don't know how they got this thing out so quickly. Well, it's only 60 pages long compared to the voluminous uh, thing that Obamacare was. But you can't do something heavy like this in one or two weeks. From what we understand, it was done in secret. Nobody could find out in which basement of which building uh, they were putting out this uh, and drawing this new proposed law. I don't know. I haven't read it. I'll never get to read it. All I'm going to know is what I read in the newspaper and hear on television. But here's what I'm grabbing so far on this thing. Uh, This ain't a good deal. (laughs) And don't take my word for it. (laughs) Tonight on television, you know those 40-some-odd conservatives in the House of Representatives who, who vote united and don't vote for anything they don't like? They've already come on TV and said, we 
don't like this Obamacare bill. And we are going to oppose it. It's going to cost more money than Obamacare does. Interesting, isn't it? And then you've got on the Senate side some Republicans saying, I can't go for this. This isn't right. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do that. It's going to be a long way before we get a new health care bill. Uh, what bothers me in this bill, from what I hear, is that the people who are going to suffer the most under it are the old. I happen to be old, by the way. The poor and the sick. When you're old, you're always sick. Okay, it's just the way it is. The older you get, the body's a machine, it falls apart. And you've got to keep fixing it. If you don't fix it, you're going to die. And if the government doesn't give us enough money, the elderly, and exclude me from this, then a lot of people are going to die out there because they don't have enough money to get proper medical care. And that isn't right. Of course, you're listening to a fellow here. I believe health care is a right. I believe the government should provide universal health care. I always have. Okay, so such being the case, uh, it's going to be more expensive. Uh, insure, uh, this new plan for the old, the poor, and the sick is going to be more expensive and have significantly less coverage. It also will not cover the same number of people that Obamacare is covering. Don't forget, you got 20 million new people under Obamacare. Some of those, a few million, are going to be cut out for various reasons, the way the numbers work. Uh, this is a boon, in my opinion, to the insurance companies. And one reason it's a boon to the insurance companies is because it's going to do away with uh, you must uh, sell insurance within a state. The state lines are going to be gone. The insurance companies can sell anywhere they want in the whole of the United States, which means there will be no insurance company department anywhere in this country overseeing what the insurance company does. Insurance companies, are, you know, they're no different than the banks or the pharmaceutical houses. They're whores. I say it openly. They will screw you if it makes them a penny. You've had claims that weren't covered for your own property damage to your own car or a house that burned down. You don't get enough to cover your loss. They never pay you enough. There's always a reason why not. Well, it's going to be worse because there's not going to be anyone watching them. One of the things that bothers me here is uh, there is a congressional study group that every law that comes out, and I don't know the name of it, it's by initials, it begins with a C, but this congressional study group looks at every law that's, that's going to be voted on, every bill that's going to be voted on in Congress, and it comes up with a study as to what's it going to cost, the number of people covered, those not covered, why, etc. It's we've already been told that Obama has. I'm sorry, Trump. Trump has decided not to submit the bill to this committee. And so, you know, what is he afraid of? Because the numbers aren't going to be good. But he doesn't want that to happen. He just wants a bill two, three years from now when enough people got screwed and they're aware they got screwed, then it's all right to bring it out. There are, uh, let me go down a, a, a number of things here that bother me in numerical fashion here. Uh, they call this the Obama repeal plan. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a repeal plan. 
Uh, all they got right now is a repeal plan. They don't have a replacement plan. They say they do, but it isn't. Even the Cox, Cox brothers, K-O-C-H, the multi-multi-billionaires, they're against this bill. They say it's going to cost the people more than it's cost the government, more it's co- than it's costing it now. Many millions will be lost from Medicaid. Forget Medicaid, it's going to be yesterday's news. They're going to go uncovered. Those on Medicaid today will go uncovered. The American Hospital Association's against it. United Healthcare, who I my supplement they're my supplemental insurance carrier for the twenty percent Medicare doesn't cover, they are against it. Uh it provides less coverage to everyone. Uh, I told you about the elderly, poor and sick. It's gonna hit them between fifty five and sixty four. It's going to raise the premium from what they're paying today for Obamacare. Trump Care will cost the 55 to 66 year old group $10,000 a year more. These are the numbers I'm picking up off TV today. I'm making notes as I go along. Understand this too, because this was a concern of mine. If you're on Medicare, none of this affects you, so don't worry. But you've got to worry about your other citizens. I'm on Medicare, you're on Medicare, we're okay. That's part of Social Security. Now, Obama said he wasn't going to touch, I'm sorry, Trump, he wasn't going to touch Social Security. I hope he doesn't, but I don't trust the man. He's a pathological liar. liar. Uh, how do you like this part of it? <laughs> this, this I love. If you are a health CEO, you're running an insurance company, you're running a hospital, whatever you're doing, and you're making over $500,000 a year, you're making over $500,000 a year, none of the rules of Obamacare, uh, I keep saying Obamacare, I don't know why, Trump care uh, come into play. Uh, you get a free ride with you. You get a tax break, not totally free, but there is a tax break for health CEOs making over a half a million dollars a year. Now, does that sound fair? Who the hell makes a half a million dollars a year? Not very many people, but they're going to get a tax break. They won't have to pay as much for Trump care. Okay, that, that's enough of that. I will be getting into this a little bit every week. I spent a little extra time this week because, my God, that's all we hear on television. All right, I want to talk about Eugene Robinson. Uh, many of you are familiar with him. If you're not, you should be. He is a columnist for the Washington Post. Uh, he is a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, what else has he accomplished in his life? Uh, he's written uh, several books, uh, and he's also a commentator on Morning Joe, MSNBC, and that's where I've seen him, and I have followed him for years. Key West is an interesting island. Writers come here, and they write. People are here, start writing. I started writing, though I'm not in the class of the people I'm going to mention. But Ernest Hemingway, Tennessee Williams, John Hershey, Judy Bloom. They're all here. They live here now, or they, they lived here for, during a portion of that, their lives when they were writing. Eugene Robinson and his wife have been visiting Key West for several years for a lengthy period of time during this season. They are here now, and he gave a speech last night at the uh, Friends of the Library 
uh, sponsored a speech by him at the Key West Theater. 244 people the place held. There was not a seat left. Uh, the man is dynamic. I found him very interesting. Uh, I, I really was overly, I'm impressed with his writing to begin with and the way he talks on Morning Joe because he's there. He's there in Washington. He knows what's going around. He knows the players. He understands the system. Uh, and that's the story with him. I enjoyed listening to him. Uh, here's what he had to say, basically. He, he never said this directly, though, but he intimated it several times. He does not believe Trump will complete his four years. Didn't say how or why, just said he didn't believe Trump. In effect, he alluded to this. Trump will complete his four years. Uh, he believes that a lot of the trouble that is going on in Washington is because Trump is not, was not and is not experienced in governmental matters, nor is the immediate staff surrounding him. Uh, that includes most of his... Uh, his uh, secretaries of state and this and whatever you have, and uh, his immediate staff in the White House that is surrounding him, uh, that circle, they don't know how government works. They haven't worked in Washington, and that's why they screw up. All right? Uh, Let's see. The media. He says the media isn't going to back down. Trump hates us. He hates us. But the media is going to do its job, Okay. And they're going to investigate and report. And wherever the chips may will fall, they will fall. Wherever the chips may fall, they will fall. Good man. Start reading his columns. Uh, I want to talk about anti-Semitism for a moment here. Uh, we've had a lot of trouble with, since Trump was elected with regard to anti-Semitism. It is on the dramatic rise in this country I'm not blaming Trump for it. I'm blaming his attitude for it. You know, he, he urinates on everything. Uh, he defiles everything. He says what he wants. He has no respect for anyone or any group. And I think those people who harbored ill feelings towards the Jews, and you don't have to be an Arab to have an ill feeling or a Muslim against the Jews. Many do in this country. That's the way it is. Many people hate blacks. That's the way it is. But most people keep it within the confines of their minds and their bodies. But the anti-Semitics, the anti-Jewish people have been coming out since uh, Trump took office in January. Since he's taken office, and that isn't long, what, six weeks? Two cemeteries have been desecrated in this country. More than 100 tombstones in, in Jewish cemeteries toppled over. St. Louis and Philadelphia. Sixty-seven bomb threats have been received against Jewish community centers in 27 states. Anti-Semites are now making speeches openly, and swastikas are being painted on the streets of New York City. Uh, I think it's the people around him again, especially Steve Bannon, who's one of the people. It's now said that with already in six weeks, Bannon runs the White House. This is the anti-Semite. This guy is the Lenin follower. He wants to change the establishment, which means as Lenin changed the government in Russia, he wants to change the government in the United States. He wants to reconstruct it, but first he has to take down the existing government. And isn't it strange that everything Trump is doing is to destroy what is and replace it? Look at his secretaries. He, he appoints a fellow secretary, uh, no, head of the EPA, who for several years has done nothing but bring lawsuits 
to get the EPA disbanded, thrown out. And that's what he's doing, and he follows. He dances to this Bannon's uh, tune. Now, so it's Trump's fault, though I don't think he's an anti-Semitic himself. His daughter, Ivanka, she married a Jewish fellow. She 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 changed her religion to Judaism. He has, uh, what is it, two or three, uh, three, three Jewish grandchildren. Uh, but his attitude towards everything, I believe, is bringing, uh, has caused a rise in anti-Semitism in this country. One of the fellows in the White House, in the circle, probably number two in the White House, power-wise, number two behind Steve Bannon, who's number one behind the president. Steve Miller, Stephen Miller, influences Trump very much. Now, let me tell you about him. He's 32 years old. That's pretty young to be a senior advisor to the president of the United States. That does not mean that young people cannot do big-time jobs. There are those that are unique and can, but this is big-time assistance, the position he has, and he's 32 years old. I don't think he's ready for the big-time. You know, you got to do your time in the minors first. Uh, someone on Twitter recently wrote about him, and I quote, uh, he's a talking bag of pus, not piss, pus. Uh, that's how he was described. That's how many, most people, I think, think of him. He reminds me of Hitler's chief propagandist. Remember Joseph Goebbels? Joseph Goebbels. Uh, Joseph, he and Joseph Goebbels do the same thing. They're short, thin. They seem to have the same hairdo. Both of them lied with a straight face. Both had, twist, had, had twisted psyches. Both were propagandists. And just two weeks ago or three weeks ago, uh, Miller was on Stephanopoulos' uh, Sunday morning ABC show, and he didn't like the questions that George was asking him. And Miller said, no, you can't ask me that question. I will let you know. I will tell you what questions you can ask me and those I will answer. If you ask me a question I don't want to answer, then I won't tell you. Uh, you know, he's, he's being interviewed by the press. I think we have transparency in our government. How can he set the rules? Uh, you know, so Goebel, by the way, was minister of propaganda at the age of 36. I made a mistake earlier. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Our, our man, it, it, no, I didn't make a mistake. Goebbels was 36 when he became minister of propaganda under Hitler in 33. Miller is 32 when he became senior advisor to the president. Uh, this bothers me very much, grievously. Concerns me should concern you. Protests have been around in this country. People getting together in the streets to say, yell and scream a bit, march and say, I don't like this, I don't like that. It's called free speech. It's protected by the First Amendment, okay? And free speech includes public, the right to public protest. Now, it's been increasing. The last time I, this is the worst, or the most, not the worst, because it's a right. This is the most protesting I have seen in my lifetime. I thought the worst was during the Vietnam War. I never saw so many people go to the streets. I couldn't believe the number of people protesting. And just behind it, and I would run this as number three as to volume and intensity, 
was the uh, civil rights movement. Uh, so it's now, it's the Vietnam War, and then the civil rights movement. But there are more and more people in the streets, and people don't like this. The people that are protesting don't like it. And now we've seen, since Trump has taken office, definitely, there are more and very intensified protests. Look, the women alone and everything else. Uh, so what are they doing? Rapidly, rapidly, laws are being passed in various states and various communities, and generally under Republican uh, tutelage, because the Republicans control most of this country, even to small cities and everything. Uh, and what they're doing is they're neutering. They're neutering the First Amendment. They're cutting the balls right off the First Amendment. And here's how they're doing it. Before you can go and protest, you've got to go to the police station and get a permit. And if they don't like the way you're doing it, you don't get the permit. Or if you don't agree to do it the way they tell you, you don't get the permit. Uh, there are protest zones now. Uh, if you want to protest in front of the White House, they may put you five blocks away and say, this is where you protest. So you really don't get up to the place where you want to protest. You're a distance away, not a big distance, but you're not going to screw up whatever's going on that day that you want to protest. They even have speech cages where the people have to get in if they want to talk. Uh, another thing, some of these people now, the protesters, are being arrested for trespassing. Now, how the hell can you get arrested for trespassing just because you go down the street and you yell and scream, I don't like this? Well, by increasing the definition of trespassing to include things protesters do, they now make it a crime and call it trespassing. Some some streets are blocked off. You can't go on them if you're a protester. And if you do, it's a crime. You're going to get arrested. Now, th this blows my mind. We have racketeering laws in this country, uh, federal racketeering laws, that this goes generally for, you know, a, an old-time mafioso figure, some big-time criminals, several involved, whether it's generally drugs or they plan a, a big... Uh, theft someplace. It's called conspiracy because I have to prove all the prosecution, the people have to prove is that A and B got together, A, B, C, D, and E, and they talked about committing this crime. And then they did something that was a step towards committing the crime, like protesting in the street, okay, or making signs and things like that. And they're racketeering laws now that are being passed against people who want to protest. First Amendment right to do it. Uh, I, Republicans in Congress and throughout the country, with all due respect, they're the ones pushing these laws because they think it's terrible that people protest the way they are. Ah, my friend, ah, I love this one. <laughs> I have been talking for going on four years now about Nicolas Maduro, president of Venezuela. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with him today, but I picked up on him four years ago. He was president for a few months, and Venezuela ran out of toilet paper. Well, I thought this was interesting. How the hell do you run out of toilet paper? No question, it's a necessity of life. Here it is four years later, and guess what? Venezuela still doesn't have enough toilet paper. They don't even have food anymore. 
Well, there's someone else that doesn't have toilet paper, and I never knew this. Cuba. Cuba has a problem with toilet paper. And if you go to Cuba, I understand, they sell on the street. People go down the streets. You pay 25 cents for one sheet of toilet paper, 25 cents for one sheet of toilet paper. Now, I can understand this. I, 30 years ago, I was at the Vatican in Rome, had to go to the bathroom. They had a building on you know, the property of the Vatican, and it's where you went to the bathroom. But there was no toilet paper. I had to pay a nickel a sheet to the guy inside to get toilet paper. Uh, so they do it. There is a, a restaurant that's very popular now with the tourists. It's always been popular in Havana with the locals. It's called La Guardia, La Guardia. And what I'm talking about now is labeled Sin Papel, S-I-N-P-A-P-E-L, in other words, Sin Papel, which means without paper. In this restaurant, in the ladies' room, okay, in the ladies' room, on the wall is a huge watercolor of a very attractive woman. I saw a picture of it on the Internet. And she is squatting over the toilet. She's not sitting, because as we know, women, when they go to strange toilets, they squat. Uh, and on the wall behind her is the toilet paper roll, but there's no toilet paper. And this, the painting is labeled Sin Papel, and it fits. Uh, we're going into a new industrial revolution. We are into the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, look at what's happening. I mean, computers, the Internet, cars that drive themselves, uh, robots being used. Uh, the speed, the way things have been happening is without precedent. Uh, no historical precedent. The changes are big. And they're disrupting and affecting just about every industry. And over the next three or four years, they're going to blow every country wide open. Everything's going to change dramatically. And this country, the United States, is not prepared to employ those people who are going to lose their jobs because they're being replaced by robots. Look, the cell phones do everything today. Uh, they're unprecedented. They process everything. Your cell phone is your computer. Uh, robots are being used. Artificial intelligence is out there. The Internet's being expanded. You've got vehicles that drive themselves. We have 3D printing and so forth. Uh, now, all this, these robots, et cetera, and the way life is changing in this fourth industrial revolution means that there's going to be greater income levels. Those that are working are going to make big money. They're going to make big money, and their quality of life, therefore, will improve, okay? But with it, the Industrial Revolution also carries a moral decay and a rising inequality, and we're seeing it already. You have a 99, 1% society. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the middle classes are destroyed, and the rich don't care. They don't care about creating opportunity for everyone. They only want to create, they only care about creating opportunity for themselves. And we're not preparing for it. We're not creating jobs for the, the, the people who are going to lose their jobs. Uh, nobody's concerned about the people. But the guys on top, the CEOs, are going to continue making very big dollars, but they're going to contribute to the moral decay and inequality in this country. Very quickly, George Washington. I want to start with James Otis, 1761. He's the guy who said tax 
Taxes without representation are tyranny. Now comes George Washington, four, eight years later, in 1769. He wasn't the general yet. He, we didn't even have a United States yet. And, but he was speaking before a colonial legislative body, and he said that taxation without representation is improper. Now, here's what I want to say, and this is why I'm saying this. I believe that tax, taxes with representation can be improper. Look what the hell they're doing to us in Washington. We are represented by these people. But they don't care about giving us a tax break. They're worrying about the General Electrics and giving them tax breaks, and the General Motors and giving them tax breaks, and the banks and the pharmacy houses and giving them tax breaks. But nobody thinks about the little people, okay? So today we have taxation with representation, and I see it no different than when George Washington spoke in 1769. That, my friends, is the show for this week. I thank you for joining me. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I love doing this show, and I missed you for the last four weeks. The show is archived, and I know most of you followed in the archived version on Black Talk Radio, YouTube, and the show is also linked with the key, with my Key West Lou website. Uh, so, again, come back next week. Find me uh, where I'm archived. Listen to my blog I do every morning, uh, keywestlou.com. You may enjoy it. It's, it's funny rather than serious. And it talks a little bit about Key West. Good night. Enjoy.